Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. We've been doing a series this year on love. Love for God first, but as Jesus puts it, Love for other people springs from our love for God. So uh, I want you to look up on the screen and see a Mark chapter 12 and verse 30 and 31 that might show up there. And if not, I'll read it to you. It should sound familiar because we've been saying it a lot in the last month. And we're now we, we started with verse 30. That was our memory verse, Mark 12, 30, our memory verse for January. Now for this month, we're adding Mark 12, 31. So he said, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. To love God and to love other people. Now, in a little bit, we're going to be looking in Romans 12 at some of the instruction God uh, gave us through the Apostle Paul for how to show love. But here's the, oh, there's that, that picture. All right, go up to that next one. There's some pretty silly things that our world says about love. Love is friendship set to music. <laughs> is that how you feel, Jimmy Floyd? <laughs> Some pretty raucous music sometimes in the Ricosi house over there. All right. What's some other thing that our culture says about love? Love means never having to say you're sorry. Truth is, you have to say it all the time when you love somebody. If you don't love them, you don't have to say it. Well, you do anyway, but, uh, but you don't want to say it. But if you love them and you hurt them, you want to say you're sorry. You can't help who you fall in love with. Yeah, you can't help who you fall in love with. Or you'll know it's love because you'll experience true love's kiss. Let's see if that works. <laughs> I already know it's true love. But, uh, you know what? That, that, although I, I must admit, the first time I kissed her, I heard music. Her folks had a wind chime. <laughs> and I bombed it with my head. Such a romantic moment. <laughs> well, but, you know, the world says a lot of weird things about love. I remember watching a news reporter, and she was reporting on this guy who was a famous football player who had an affair and then divorced his wife to be with that other woman, and she thought football was too violent, so he left football, even though he was a megastar in football and was making millions every year. He left the sport because she didn't want him to, and this reporter says, that's true love. Now, if it had been true love, he would have been with his wife. He wouldn't have been with that woman at all. But love, 
here's the description Jesus gives of love in the Bible. What did he just say? We just were looking, go back to that previous slide and see, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now jump two more slides down. And Jesus said, love is neighborliness. And of course, one of the guys who asked him this question, he wanted to justify himself. So he said, who's my neighbor? And Jesus told him that your neighbor is the one you're neighborly to. Every person on the planet qualifies as your neighbor if you're neighborly to them. So love is neighborliness. And it doesn't have to be Mr. Rogers singing, won't you be my neighbor? I think if Hunter did that over on ASU campus and he walked up to people and said, won't you be my neighbor? I'm pretty sure they would not be thrilled. They would not see it as a sign of spirituality. They'd see it as a sign of something else. Of course, you know, Joel and I already think that because he's going to ASU. But anyway, he, <laughs> you don't have to put on airs. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. All right. Uh, we're going to look in uh, the, we, we need to on purpose, intentionally love others. That's what Jesus' command was. Love others. Show God's love before you share his truth. There are some Christians who are just obnoxious people. And uh, they, they really let you know if you stray just a tiny little bit from biblical doctrine. But Jesus said, they'll know you are Christians by your love. By your love. They might know you're doctrinally accurate by your teaching, but they'll recognize Christ in you by your love for other people. We need to be people who show love appropriately. So we need to love others. Now we're going to look at Romans chapter 12. And, and when you begin this chapter, he talks about presenting your body to God. This is the appropriate thing to do. And and you don't be conformed to this world. So the first two verses of this chapter uh, deal with your relationship with God and your wholehearted commitment to follow God. So you can't get love for people right unless you get love for God right first. And then verses 3 through 8 talk about how we need each other. It says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. And then he describes some of the spiritual gifts. And he said, God divided up the gifts. So every person has one or two spiritual gifts, but nobody has them all. The only one who had them all was Jesus. Nobody else has them all. And so we need each other. By God's design, you are deficient. You have needs that you can't meet that somebody else has to meet. And that's what makes a church strong is when people from differing backgrounds and, and even differing interests, they work together and they make the church stronger. How many of you men would love to work in the nursery sometime? <laughs> the only one we've ever had who did it right was Tim. Oh, Aaron said he could do it too. Yeah, You guys got the skills. 
And all the rest of us guys say, bless you. You may do it in our place. Uh, you know, there, there's just, I, I was okay with my own kids when they were little, but not with other people's kids when they're little. Uh, we have people who help. Jim Ricosi does games for Sparks age kids. Cubby age kids, right. The, the littlest ones. And it's really funny. He's so patient with those kids. And I might be more patient than Jim with middle schoolers, but he's way more patient than I would be with those little preschoolers. And we have differing gifts, differing abilities, differing... And when we work together, we make the church stronger. And then when he gets to verse 9, he's now saying, all right, all this doctrinal truth that I've been teaching since Romans 1.1 all the way through Romans 11, and now we're trying to make it practical in your commitment to God and your commitment to other people. Now, here's how we need to show love as Christ shows love. So the first thing that I want you to see, we're going to read a couple of verses here, is that you need to lead with your heart. You need to lead with your heart. You need to love God and love people and let that be the beginning point of your spirituality. You start with love. Look what he says in verse 9. He says, uh, let love be without hypocrisy or without dissimulation. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. So the first thing that we see is don't be fake. Love is not fake. Some years ago, I got these sweet, kind notes from somebody. And they would write notes about how much they appreciated me, how much they appreciated my ministry, how thankful they were that God brought me here to be their pastor. And, and I kept those notes for a while, and I really appreciated them. And then we had a point where that person disagreed about something. And the deacons and I talked it over and we said, here's what we're doing. And this person wanted to go over here. And we said, no, this is what we're doing and this is where we're going. And that person told me, I'm going to destroy you. It hurt. What he did hurt. But he didn't destroy anything. And, you know, all those notes that I got, I went back to the file, pulled them all out, and threw them away. Well, I put them in recycling, okay? But, but I got rid of them. I got rid of them. They didn't mean anything. Because that love was fake. The real attitude came out when we disagreed. And you know what? God has established a leadership structure for the church, and that guy didn't want to follow it. He didn't believe he had to answer to anybody else. I felt sorry for his family, because everybody has accountability to other people. Let love be genuine. Without hypocrisy. So, kids, if you say, I love you, Mom, or I love you, Dad, and then you intentionally disobey them, are you showing love? 
No, you're not. So when you say I love you and you're not planning to follow, that's fake love. Uh, I, I've known couples who were all lovey-dovey in public and all scream and hollery at home. Thankfully, I haven't lived in a house like that, <laughs> but I've known couples like that. Don't have fake love. Verse 9 continues, Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Love is honorable. Love is honorable. We have in our culture this concept that you are not in control of who you fall in love with. Somebody pointed that out a little earlier. And you're not in, and our culture says you're just, you just, if, if it hits you, it hits you. And so if a guy's married to somebody and then falls in love with this other person, then he leaves his wife and goes to be with that person. That's not biblical. That's not honorable. The honorable thing is we honor the commitments. We honor the vows. We, we do what's right. And so let your love do, be doing what's right. Uh, in verse 10, he, he basically says, love is kind. In the beginning of verse 10, he says, be kindly affection to one another with brotherly love. Kindly affection one to another. So that's love is kind. We're leading with our heart. We're showing kindness to other people. You know, I was going somewhere. I think I was going to the bank. I'm not sure. And as I was walking up to it, there was a lady who was moving quite a bit slower than me. And and I walk pretty fast when, when I'm able to walk fast. And so I was walking really fast and, and I just went, Zooming by her, and I got up to the door, and I just like saw her shoulder start to sag because I went racing in front of her, and I got in front of her so I could hold the door for her, and then she was happy that I held the door, and it was one of those double door things, so I held the first door, and she got through, and then I stepped around her and held the second door, and she got through, and then she got up to the line, and then I got up to the line. I had a very simple deposit. I could have been in and out in a minute because there was a teller waiting available and open. Instead, I stood in line for 11 or 12 minutes before I got to make my deposit. But that was okay. We lead with love. We show kindness. In fact, this verse continues. It says, uh, in honor, giving preference to one another. So I, I go second on purpose. Go second on purpose. I could have been there first. I could have been in and out. In fact, I probably would have been done with my teller by the time she got to the teller window. But intentionally go second. Hey, here's a challenge for you kids. Next time your parent says, I got a treat, you say, oh, let my sibling go first. Can you handle that one? That's a challenge, isn't it? You know, in Cubbies, I don't think they do it in Sparks. You do leader in Sparks. They do in Cubbies where somebody gets to be the leader and you have to rotate the kids because otherwise some kid's going to fuss because that person got to be a leader once last week and this week and I didn't get to do it. 
And that's just Jim. No. That's like my kids. Jim doesn't do that. I haven't picked on him for a while. We'll try and behave. Lead with your heart. Lean in. Put love first. That's what Jesus wants to see in his followers. That's what God wants to see in his kids. And that's what the world wants to see. They want to see people who live out the truths of this book. Paul said, I wrote 11 chapters of doctrine, and now here's how you make it work in our culture. You show love to people. Lead with your heart. Not fake, honorable, kind, going second on purpose. Love others. Then he says another thing. Love is not soft. Love is not soft. You know, in, in our culture, love is this feely thing. And you know, it just can hit you at any moment. And, and you'll know because you'll just know. <laughs> Don't you feel the ooey gooey? <laughs> but in the Bible, love, love is not soft. Love is hard. Love endures. So he, he says in verse 11, the beginning of verse 11, basically he said, work hard on the right things. He says, not lagging in diligence. Not lagging in diligence. So you're working hard on the right things. To be loving isn't to be lazy and just feel this, ooh, you know. Some ladies really like flowers. How many of you ladies love to get flowers? Some do. Yeah, uh, Kathy doesn't like, well, actually she likes to get flowers every now and then. She just can't anymore because she lives in a house with me and I can't breathe around flowers. So I, we stopped doing the flower thing a long time ago. But even way back when, I used to be able to have flowers in the house and appreciate them being there. Uh, she would have rather had me do the dishes than buy her flowers. She would have rather had me do one of those honeydew things. How many of you guys have this honeydew list that just gets really long? And it gets so long that she either hires somebody to do it. Tim Martinez loves ladies who have those lists, but they call him, <laughs> hire him to do the work at their house. Or she, she just lets it go. And one of the ways you sow love is being diligent. You work at it. You put in the time, you put in the effort, you focus, you uh, attach, you, you listen, you learn, and, and you're seeking God, and you're seeking the benefit of other people. That's what love does. Love doesn't say, oh, you know, I just feel, oh, so wonderful. See, love is when you go change somebody's flat tire for them. Love is when you pick up the things. Love is when you do the time, do the labor, do the effort, put it in. That's what love is. Not lagging in diligence. Loving. Now, look also at verse 11. He says something else. What's the next thing he says? 
Fervent in spirit. And then serving the Lord. For, what does it mean to be fervent in spirit? There's an intensity here. Fervent is, is really focused, really, it, I would call it enthusiastically spiritual. Years ago, I had a friend. Still have a few. <laughs> I was harassing uh, Jeff Jorgensen this morning. Uh, Jeff and Sue have a friend here from Wisconsin. I said, well, Jeff has a friend, but he has to import them from out of state. <laughs> but you know, they have a lot of friends. In fact, uh, I'm one of their friends. But, you know, this, this friend of mine, her dad was uh, a leader in our church. And I didn't know this about him at the time. I just thought he, he was on the leadership team in our church. And at his memorial service, um, I, I had a very minor thing to be involved with, but she was sharing about her dad. And she said one of the things her dad would do, you remember the old cars that had the shelf behind the back seat? He would get out of church, he would walk to the car, he would open the door, he would sit his Bible back there, and the next Sunday morning, he'd pull his Bible out of there and carry it into church. He never looked at his Bible all week long. He didn't listen to an audio Bible. I know some people have a hard time reading. So listen to an audio Bible. And actually, to be honest with you, most of the time when I read through Leviticus, I listen to it too. Because it's really hard for me to get through that one. So I listen to it while I'm reading it, and it helps me focus. Uh, but he didn't. He was ignoring it. The, there was no fervency of spirit. So should he have been serving in leadership in the church? No. Did anybody ask him if he read his Bible? I don't know. Maybe it wasn't a requirement in that church. So love is not soft. Fervent in spirit, not lagging in diligence, serving the Lord. This is not soft, emotional stuff. This is big, hard, challenging things. We need to man up. If you're a man, you need to step up and be a woman of God. If you're a woman, you need to step up. As elsewhere in Scripture, it says, stand in the gap and make up the hedge. You need to be the one willing to do the hard work. You know, we had a memorial service yesterday for Shirley, and we had a great group of the ladies from Friends Needing Friends. Almost all of them were able to be here yesterday, and that was pretty cool. We had them raise their hands, and I was just really impressed how many were here. And, it, you know, when Shirley lost Joe, she and another lady in the church who'd lost her husband, they were talking about it, and they came to Jim Reeves and I, and they said, you know, we'd like to start a ministry called Friends Needing Friends, and it would be a ministry to widows. And then it gradually expanded where ladies who live alone or ladies who are caregivers and need extra care themselves, they're included in that. And uh, so Shirley was going to be the helper, and this other lady was going to lead. And then within a few months, the other lady moved to another state to live near family, and Shirley stepped up and did it. And that wasn't her plan. But she did. 
She did the hard work. And she loved those ladies. She cared for them. And so I had them raise their hand yesterday. How many of those ladies were blessed by the ministry of Shirley? And all this whole section, hands went up. Because she loved and she put in the hard work. It's really hard. It's not just hard to love some people. Some people are really hard to love, aren't they? It's really hard. Don't point. <laughs> some people are hard to love. But it's not just that some people are hard to love. Sometimes loving is hard work. Just ask Jesus. He loved and gave himself for us. Sometimes love is hard work. And then in verse 12, he talks about some other things, about trusting God and enduring and urgently praying. Verse 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfast in prayer. So we're trusting God, we're rejoicing in hope. It doesn't mean that life is so good, isn't life wonderful? You know, you hear the birds tweeting and the sun shining and everybody has flowers and, and everybody's happy. No, he says rejoicing in hope, even when it's difficult. We have the hope in Christ. I've, I've watched family members that I love die. I've watched friends that I love die. But we have the hope that we'll see them again. We'll be with them again. And so we, we have that hope. So he says, he, he says in verse 12, to rejoice in that hope. And then we are patient in tribulation. You know, some people feel like they're in tribulation when they got a speeding ticket. If you were going under the speed limit and got a speeding ticket, that might be persecution. I have known a lot of officers. I've never known one who said, I love to give tickets to people who don't deserve it. Never known one. So, but, but when you face persecution, when you face great difficulty, and you still rejoice in that hope, and you endure in that difficulty, then that's strong love. You love God so much, you're going to trust Him no matter what. And then urgently praying, continuing steadfastly in prayer. We, we have this intensity in our prayer. I was talking to Megan a couple of weeks ago, back in the mid-1980s, they did a survey of a, of a denomination, and, and uh, they, in that survey, they asked pastors how much time they spent in prayer. They also asked them about whether they believed the scripture, and well, the sum total of it was, less than 30% of the pastors believed the first 11 chapters of Genesis. Mm -hmm. And more than 80% of the pastors said they spent less than five minutes a day in prayer. 
and they're supposed to be the spiritual leaders. Um, prayer is a big part of the Christian life. It should be a part of your daily life and not just breakfast, lunch, and dinner, thanking God for the food, but really talking to God and listening to Him. Love is not soft. Another thing that we see in this passage is that caring equals sharing. Caring equals sharing. Look at verse 13. He talks about being generous. Distributing to the needs of the saints. Being generous toward other people. Now it says to the needs of the saints, not the want of the saints. Like I bet if I said, you know, God has really blessed me financially and I'm going to give a thousand dollars to anyone in this room who can really use it. I bet everyone in this room could say, I could use that thousand for whatever. I don't know if there's anybody in here who'd say, you know, I got so much money and what's another thousand? Give the petty change to someone else. You know, I don't know if there's anybody in here who would do that. But real needs. We have to have real care about real needs. And, you know, um, if you see your brother or sister have need and you're not moved with compassion, how does the love of God dwell in you? John said. So Paul's saying here, you need to distribute to the needs of the saints. You need to be given to hospitality. Uh, you need to be an, a hospitable person. Now, some people like demand you to give to them or demand you to share with them. That's not generosity or hospitality. They're forcing it on you. But you need to open your heart and open your home to other people. Can you open your home to everybody in your community? Not a chance. But you can open your home to some of them. Story told of a little boy walking down the beach and he was picking up either starfish or sand dollars. I can't remember what it was he was picking up. And he was hurling them into the beach. Throw, or throwing them into the ocean. Picking them off the beach and throwing them into the ocean because they got washed up in high tide and now the tide's going out and they're just there and they'll die. And so this guy came along and he was really scornful and he said to this boy, look at all these things on the beach. You can't possibly rescue all of them. What difference is what you're doing? What difference is it going to make? And the little boy picked up another one and threw it into the ocean. He said, it made a difference to that one. So you can't make a difference to everyone, but you can make a difference to one. Mm -hmm. And you can make a big difference to that one. Mm -hmm. So show generosity, show hospitality. And then we need to be helping and enriching. In verse 14, he says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. We need to be helping and enriching and blessing people. Now, I had a really hard time with this when I was a Marine. Jim Ricosi knows you don't become a sergeant in the Marine Corps by being Mr. Nice Guy. You 
become a sergeant in the Marine Corps by being a little hard-nosed, as they said back then. But, you know, there has to come a time in your life where you say, I'm going to be willing to give up my rights to help somebody else. I'm going to bless those who persecute me. I'm not going to go after them. I had a Christian once tell me, uh, he was here helping with something at the church, and, and he said, well, I don't get mad, I get even. I said, that's not very biblical. That's not what Jesus said, and here was his response. It works for me. It works so well, his wife loved him. It worked so well, he lost his job. See, we have to decide we're going to do things God's way or not. And so if we're loving, if we're caring, we're going to be sharing. So if you have a water bottle or maybe let's say you have two water bottles, it's a really hot day, and you see somebody has been really cantankerous toward you, really mean toward you, and you can walk up in front of them and you can drink one of those water bottles, you can say, Or you can hand them a water bottle. Is, is it going to change the trajectory of their life? It could. Sometimes the person you show kindness to can become a friend. But whether it makes a difference on earth or not, it makes a difference in heaven. When you obey God and you honor God and you're caring and sharing with other people. He says in verse 13, we, we need to be connecting and identifying with people, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. I'm, I'm reading the wrong verse. I said 13. It should be 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Connect with other people. How many of you, when you were a kid, your parents told you, don't cry about that? Any of you ever experienced it? You shouldn't cry about that. No? Well, sometimes people cry. Now, sometimes kids cry because they didn't get their way, and parents can teach them, you shouldn't be crying because you didn't get your way. That's self-centered. That's selfish. But if they're crying, they're emotionally hurt because of something, they feel pain. And we should sympathize with their pain. Or they feel elated. I had a friend who's um, not nearly aligned with me in politics, rejoicing over the outcome of a proposition in the election. And I was disappointed the proposition passed, and they were rejoicing in it. And I didn't smack him in the nose. <laughs> My mama would have been proud. So, you, you allow them to rejoice and you be happy for them and say, I'm glad you feel happy. You don't have to say, I'm glad it passed. Especially when you're pretty certain it contradicts scripture, you can say, I'm glad you feel happy. It's nice to have blessings in your life. And the Lord blesses my life every day. The Psalms tell us that. 
So you, you care about people, you celebrate, you connect with them, you identify with them. You don't separate yourself from them. People have some weird ideas. You know, in, in, uh, in our culture, people who are a little bit shorter are looked down by people who are a little bit taller. And, and people who are a little bit whiter have an easier time of getting promoted in most job structures than people who are darker skinned. That's a fact of life. It's wrong. That's a fact of life. We need to make sure we're not the people doing that. And so if you have a full-grown man who's four foot six and a full-grown man who's six foot six, which one is the better man? The one who has the character on the inside. That's what makes a person. And so we're, we're not prejudice against other people and we're showing kindness and we're connecting with people and we have genuine humility verse 16 be of the same mind toward one another do not set your mind on hard high things but associate with the humble do not be wise in your own opinion <laughs> my wife teaches piano and I don't know how many times over the years She's had a conversation with one of her piano students saying, you are arguing with me. Now, who knows more about piano? The teacher who has studied it, got a degree in it, and been teaching it for 30 years, or you who've had lessons for six weeks? <laughs> she, she's had to have that conversation with a lot of different kids. Mm -hmm including some who had the same last name she had. <laughs> and so you, you have to not be proud of your own opinion. Humble yourself. Have genuine humility. It's hard enough living on planet Earth. We make it harder on ourselves and the people around us when we're not walking with Christ, when we're not following His path, when we're not following His way. See, love is neighborliness. Love is neighborliness. Won't you be my neighbor? <laughs> you need to love others and help meet their needs and honor Christ in the process. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.